I mean, obviously I taught college. I think education is incredibly important. I think college is important, but it's not the only way you can learn. Being out in the world and like meeting people and learning from them, that's something that's so important. I would say just do it. Just think of a place you want to go. You could probably find a job there. This is the Seasonals Podcast, a show where we talk to people living the seasonal lifestyle. We take an in-depth look at the decision points they've encountered along the way. Here I am today with Jesse Goodman. Hi. Hey, Jesse. Uh, so what did you do today? I spent a good seven or so hours scraping the paint off of these huge canoes. And we got about like four square feet done. <laughs> okay. And that is for Alaskan travel adventures? Yeah, Alaska travel adventures. And you worked for them this summer in Ketchikan, Alaska, right? Yes, sir. And last summer too. What, uh, what was your job with them? So this year, I was a guide mostly on Benton Island. Um, so we do little uh, nature walk, beach talk, a lot of cheesy jokes. I have some good ones if you want to hear them. Uh, I'd sprinkle <laughs> a few in. <laughs> I'll, I'll get to my best material as I warm up. But um, So that's what I did mostly. Also a lot of deckhanding, which was super fun. And just recently, we ended those tours, and I've been stuck on the docks again, herding cats onto boats, or no, buses, off of boats onto buses. So what is sort of the draw for people to come on a tour to Baton Island? Well, I always tell people I have to read this waiver. Um, and at the end we talk about the forest service permit and I tell them that like, what it means is we're the only company allowed to take people to the interior of the Island. And it's, it's super pristine and undisturbed except for the boardwalk trail and I always tell the guests that it's just like prehistoric, like the size of the leaves of the skunk cabbage and the huge, like, you know, overturned root systems and just things covered in like feet of moss. It just seems like I always say it's like, look behind you, there's a brontosaurus because it seems so untouched or alien. It's just like nowhere else I've been. And you just feed John Williams theme songs through the speakers mm -hmm. that are hidden in the tree trunks. I sing it for them. <laughs> <laughs> And that's why they don't tip me. Oh God. <laughs> so you, how long have you been doing uh, seasonal work? This is my sophomore year. I'm pretty oh, so new. Your second year here yeah. is your second year ever doing it. Yeah. Okay. So catch can last whatever June 5th. I think the day I got here, that was my first day as a seasonal. Okay. How yeah. did you get roped into it? Well, I blame my friend, Michelle. She got a gig up here working with the lumberjacks and I quit my job. I was a college English professor and I was hanging around for a couple Where months. Uh, San Jose State. So just south of San Francisco. And that's where I got my master's in creative writing. And I loved teaching, but it wasn't paying the bills. And it made me feel kind of panicky about getting stuck in a system that I didn't, I didn't feel as comfortable or connected to as I thought I would. Like, I wasn't one of those, you know, old musty PhD types that's going to give their life to tenure, you know. Uh, but I loved what I did and a lot of what I did in the classroom was influenced by traveling and my love of going places and exploring new cultures or settings. And a lot of my like creative writing is based on settings and things like that. But anyways, I just felt stuck 
And so I'd quit the job without any plans, which is what I've been doing with my life. So you're, you were a professor at a university Mm -hmm. and you say it wasn't paying the bills. Oh, hell no. Can, I mean, (laughs) most people would think that's a, something that they wouldn't hear. I, Oh, fuck for no. me, I think professors make money. <laughs> if you're tenured, you can live off of it. I was an adjunct, a lecturer. Like my students call me professor, but I guess my technical title was lecturer. So basically I was getting paid per class, um, a very minimal amount. I was teaching five classes a semester and maybe after taxes clearing like 24 grand. A year? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like it was insulting and it made me really mad. And that was part of the reason why I wanted to get out of it because... I loved what I did and I loved working with the students, but for me to feel like I was doing a great job and doing everything I needed to do, it just, it wasn't getting compensated enough. And that sounds a little gross because it shouldn't be about the money and it's not, but living in the Bay area on that kind of salary is impossible. Right. And I just felt like I was drowning and, and I felt like I could leave and write more and hopefully be, you know, a provider of knowledge in a different way, I guess. Um, and maybe get back into it at some point, but. Was there a moment, uh, that you can point to that you knew was the, the end of you doing that job? It's like, okay, something else. I'm looking for something else. I'm going to find something else. I'm done with this. Oh gosh. Or was it just, you know, it started sliding and then at some point, it was full slide into, all right, I'm out. It was like a combination of those two, definitely a slide. And I just felt myself like giving less effort than I should, like taking a long time to get my students their papers back and feeling like I was doing a great job in the classroom, but kind of sucking in every other aspect of it, like not keeping up with the reading I was giving my students. That kind of felt like a hypocrite a little bit. And I wasn't writing. Um, and I talked to some of my like fiction professors who I really had like great relationships with who were kind of mentors to me. And they're like, you got to figure this out. You can't be an adjunct forever. Like you need time to write. So you need to make a decision kind of thing. And I just, I basically told them like, okay, I'm, I'm leaving my job at the end of next semester. Like kind of out of the blue. Like I just made that decision when I was talking to them. And then I felt like I had to follow through, you know? Um, so I guess I did it to impress cool writers. Right. <laughs> And then, so when you quit that job, what happened, what happened from there? So I ended up, I taught in the English department mostly, but I had a global studies professor who gave me a job in her department when I got my master's. She paid me more and the classes were amazing. I taught uh, global citizenship seminars and I taught, um, uh, what was it? 100W. It's like the first writing class of the major in global studies. So I was teaching writing, but in a department that was so interesting to me. And um, she said, if you want to teach a class online, I can pay you to do that. And I was like, sweet, then I can travel. And I and I had been wanting to go to Europe again. And so I was there for like, I don't know, maybe just a month or something that fall that I was teaching online. Um, and so that kind of made it possible for me to transition, although I did a, such a shitty job with that class. I just had checked out by that point. I am not a good like internet person in general. Um, I just think it made me feel really bad. And so I made me want to distance myself from that a little more. I was kind of embarrassed by how I handled that because I'm a good teacher, but not, not when I can't be like hands on. 
well, you know, not hands-on. I'm not groping my students. Face-to-face. Yeah. So you you had already (laughs) kind of checked out, and then this was a, oh, well, I could travel and do this. Mm -hmm. And then you realized as you got away from it, oh, I probably should have just did the clean cut. Yeah. Like 500 bucks a month. I think that's what I was getting paid. Maybe 500 bucks every two weeks. That seems like a lot. Anyways, it wasn't even really enough to make it worthwhile. Um, and I was traveling. I remember like being in my hostel in London and being like, I should really grade some papers. And then I didn't. <laughs> and that was pretty much the whole trip. And I just feel really, I still feel bad about it. And that was like two years ago almost. And so from, from doing that, did you, you went through the full class and then what happened? Finished up, like dragged my body across the finish line. And then I went back to LA. So I'd moved out of my house that I had with my roommates up in Northern California. Um, kind of hung around a little too long on their couch and felt like Ooh, I should get out of here. And um, went, went to LA, went on this trip and came back and literally just like crashed in my parents' spare bedroom, feeling sorry for myself for like a couple of months. Um, I don't know. I think that was like the worst my depression has ever been. And I got in a really bad car accident and I lost my license. It wasn't my fault. It was like, I got sick and passed out behind the wheel, but like, um, no alcohol involved, I promise. (laughs) But, um, it just knocked me off my game and I just kind of like backslid a lot and I just didn't do anything didn't want to get out of bed and it was really bad. And so when my friend Michelle got a job up in Ketchikan, I asked her if I, if I, if she could find me a job so I could get, fuck out of my parents spare bedroom so she comes up to Ketchikan Alaska gets mm-hmm. the job with the lumberjack show mm-hmm. and then you told her hey if you find me something I'm in yeah and then what happens so well preface about me is like when I tell people that I mean it like if someone's like let's go on this trip I I mean it if I can afford it I'm making it happen you know and I think a lot of people like would call my bluff or like they would think they'd be calling my bluff. Like, sure. Why not? But Michelle knows me. Like she has the same kind of, you know, soul that I do adventure wise. And so when she, she found that job, she's like, she was asking people like, Hey, do you know of anyone? And she saw actually Christian, our good old uh, former ATA doc manager last year. She saw him running around like a crazy person. And he's like, I really need someone. And she said, aha. I know just the one. And so I was actually on a trip to Iceland with my dad. He so graciously offered to pay and I couldn't say no to that. Um, So I was doing uh, a week in Iceland bookended by a week in London on each end. And the last week in London, I was by myself. Um, And so I'm, I've got like a week and a half left of the trip. I'm right in the middle and I'm in Iceland chilling at my hostel in Reykjavik get a text from Michelle and she said, yo, I think I got you a job. Here's the link. Fill out this application. So I sat in the bar of the hostel, filled out the application on my phone, like wrote whole essays on my phone, letter by letter and sent it in. And the next day I get an email saying, Hey, I want to set up a phone interview. And I'm thinking, what's the time difference between whatever this place is in Alaska and Reykjavik. And I figured out, what was it like eight, nine, 10? I think it was 10. Don't quote me on that. Yeah. The internet is available to check that, but I'll let your lovely listeners figure that out if they're so inclined. That's this week's puzzle. Woo! 
glad to be of service. Um, so yeah, I think it was like 10, something like that. And so I believe it was about two in the morning. It was somewhere between midnight and two in the morning that I said I was available and had a nice long meandering interview where I was really tired, but it was still light outside, even though it was the middle of the night because it was spring in Iceland. And, um, I'm good at bullshitting. Like English majors are good at bullshitting. So I just, I want, I, I, uh, I wove a web I created a narrative about what a great, you know, AT employee I would be. And by the end, I had a job offer and I thought, shit, <laughs> 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 I have to get back to America from Iceland via London and go to Ketchikan or whatever the hell it was in Alaska. I still had no idea what Ketchikan was, where it was exactly. Um, and yeah, so between the day I landed, which was the last day of May last year and the day I got to catch can was five days, four or five days. Yay. I love not planning things. <laughs> <laughs> and so your first day in catch can Alaska working, what is that like? Um, <laughs> there was a lot of catch a can like jam packed into that day. So that night I went straight to free food at the asylum, had an indoor cigarette, which was really exciting for me. And, um, and I met Christian uh, on the outside patio. I remember it very well. And he's like, all right, well, we're, we're starting at uh six o'clock tomorrow. So I'm like, shit, I just got here. Like, I don't even like it to, to, you know, have a day or two to relax. And then I realized, oh, that's not how this industry works. Um, so I got a ride in with the rest of the crew. I was living in company housing. They were all super cool. I hitched right in there and I just got thrown to the wolves. Like I had no idea what was going on. It was doc repping. So basically like figure out what a Shorex does and who the bus companies are and how to use a walkie talkie. What does a Shorex do? Okay. So Shorex is a short excursion manager. They come off the ship. Um, they're the ones that like are behind the little desk on the cruise ship selling excursions to the masses. And then they come off the ship and you have to check with them about the numbers and logistics. And you have to check, this is all very exciting. Check with the bus people and it is kind of like a puzzle because you have this little order, you do things and you make sure everything fits. And then once you like kind of, you know, close the door on that bus and give it a little pat on the bumper and send it on its way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's something satisfying about it. Although after guiding this year and then going back to dock repping for the last few weeks, it's, it's been soul crushing. But I told my boss, I feel like I'm dying inside. <laughs> because you're dock repping? Yeah. Like I saw the other side. I saw the prehistoric beauty of Benton Island and I got to drive the boat all the time and be on the water and see fucking whales every fucking day. As the tour guide. As a tour guide, and yeah. so what does the dock rep do? The dock rep sees like way too many tourists. Like <laughs> <laughs> you have to say, or you have to pretend to laugh so many times a day if it's a nice day because people are like, oh, we brought the sunshine. You're welcome. I'm like... Just makes my skin crawl hearing it again. And I just laugh. Sometimes I've even caught myself saying, thanks for bringing the sun, because I don't know what to say to these people. Like, I'm really good at being personable and, you know, making people feel welcomed and smiled at and things. But uh, just repeating the same shit to like 30 people per tour. And I have like two tours going off at once, like five times a day, six times a day. Uh, just like, why did I get two degrees? <laughs> Anyone with even no degrees shouldn't have to do that every day. But you know what? I'm bitching like too much. It was last year. It was cool. I felt like I was contributing. It's just this year now that I experienced, you know, 
true Alaskan wilderness every day at work. It was a little hard to adjust. You had a taste of heaven, mm-hmm. and then it got taken away the last month. <sighs> you miss it. That sound you hear is the tears rushing down my face. <laughs> yeah, so I really miss it. How? <clears throat> what's what is the money like as the tour guide? It's better than last year because I got a raise, and I was also on like our leadership team, so I got a little bit more of a raise. And then there's just so many more tourists this year that we were working a ton of overtime in like the middle of the summer, like June, July, a lot of overtime. So those paychecks then were pretty good. Um, but last what's pretty good? Um, I think my biggest one was like 13 something for two weeks, which I mean, it could be better talking to some of my friends, but compared to what I was getting paid last year, where I was maybe clearing like 600 a paycheck after they took out housing, this felt pretty stellar. Right. And plus the tips. Tips are good. Um, And you're out on the water and in the rainforest every single day. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, whales and driving boats and things. It's pretty fun driving a boat on the beach. I'd take that, you know, in addition to tips. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) But just beaching that boat with all the tourists. Well, no, I don't do it when the tourists are on there. But they watch me do it when the boat is empty. They'll, like, watch me do it um, from the beach. And I did it once in like really windy, choppy weather and the tide and the current were all nuts. And our captain, John, he was like, you sure you don't want me to do it? I'm like, no, just tell me what to do. I'm like, I'm going to beach this boat. And I did it and everyone clapped and I felt really proud of myself. You did it. <laughs> yeah. I so beached it. <laughs> at the, I'll ask you what's going on at the end of this summer. But the end of last summer, when you were deciding what to do with your winter, how did that go? Uh, I kind of winged it again. It's kind of been my MO the last couple of years, just kind of see what happens. Um, so I left like uh, first week of October on a road trip with a couple other friends from ATA and we drove around for a while and then they ended up dropping me in uh, San Francisco. So I saw a bunch of my friends up there for like a week and then I went down to, to LA and stayed again with my parents in the suburbs and I should have known not to do that because I get really complacent there and I was hanging out there. I went to Let's see. I went to Paris for like 10 days. I went like out of state to visit some people. But it wasn't the same. You know, it's just short little trips, which I don't know. That just doesn't satisfy me anymore. Like if I'm going somewhere, I want to go for a while, like a month at the minimum. So I was I felt myself backsliding. And then I knew some friends of mine were in Colorado working on ski lifts. And I knew that it would be easy as anything to get a job there. And so... I was just like, yo, send me the link. I filled it out. And within like a week I had the job offer and I just kind of had to convince them to bring me out right then because they have to have enough people for a training class to bring you out. And I was like, no, I do not want to wait till January. Like, just please just get me out of here. (laughs) So I got there and it was snowing and I was like, what the hell is happening to my life? (laughs) (laughs) So it's kind of like one of those uh, group membership pies. It's like you were trying to get seven other people to come be guides as well so that they would do the training class to get you out of LA. Yeah. Yeah. Although they had enough. I think they only needed like four people and they had, they're like, we think we can do it. We just have to confirm that these people are coming to take these jobs. And then like within a couple of days, they're like, yep, so we can, we can do the training class like next week if you can come. So got a ticket, flew out there like a week before Christmas. Didn't have housing yet. My friends let me crash. And, uh, yeah. And it, where in Colorado was it? <laughs> Avon, Beaver Avon. Creek Resort. So like two hours west of Denver. 
Okay. And what was your job there? I was a lifty. So I basically like tried to keep people from dying on ski lifts, which was fun. I knocked a little girl to the ground once because I didn't want her to get hit in the head with, oh, with a chair. Like I literally like piled my body onto her. That was probably my most memorable rescue. Um, shoveled a lot of snow, which if anyone knows me, I'm not the snow shoveling type. <laughs> I'm not much of a physical labor <laughs> kind of gal, but there's something, there's something satisfying about it. And I got kind of buff, which is weird. <laughs> what? So you, you were running the ski lift? Yeah. And is it is it kind of just like a lever or is it... It's a lot of buttons, a lot of computery things. Um, most important button is the stop button, which is a big red one. And it was really satisfying to push them. There's also a slow button if it's not as dire of an emergency. Yeah. But we'd always joke like... So the lift I worked on the most... Um, was um, lift six with a bunch of other girls because it was like the main lift like right at the base of the mountain and we always joke like they want chicks on six because that's where all like the old rich guys come up and they want to give them a pretty face and a smile and things like that and we had gondolas as well um, so it was like a really weird lift that confused people because it was like five chairs one gondola like back and forth and we'd always joke like like if anyone brings a hot guy into the gondola, we're going to hit a slow, like hit the slow button so they have more time to get to the top. <laughs> I have a good story about that for later. <laughs> or do you want it now? Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Um, this is the adult portion of the program. Um, so kids, kids, turn it up. Earmuffs. <laughs> um, so yeah. So we would always joke like that. That would be super hot. Like winter bucket list item get freaky in a gondola. And um, let me tell you, this job, I have never had it so easy picking up dudes. It's like shooting fish in a barrel. They just come by over and over and over. And you have like a two second interaction with them. So you can be flirty and cute without like being awkward, you know, and they just love it. And there's this one guy who kept coming like for like, like a long weekend or something like that. He just kept coming back. And I was like, this kid's cute, like a little young, but that's kind of my style. <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. Um, he's snowboarding, you know, and I kept flirting with him and then he eventually gave me like his info and he's like, let's hang out. And we got together and it happened to be Valentine's day, which I didn't think about when I was like, how about tomorrow night? But I wasn't trying to like, you know, get all romantical on him or anything. Just, uh, just worked out timing wise, but they were running that lift at night, which they never do because there's a restaurant at the top of the mountain. That's like, they're having like a romantic dinner or something. So we didn't, we're not that fancy. Um, so we go have a drink and I'm like, you know, I can get us like a free gondola loop or two. If you want to like, you know, go adventure up the mountain in the dark. Like you don't usually get to do that. I know the people that work there cause I work with them. <laughs> <laughs> so they have like I a, am a person that works there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would do the same for them. So I'm sure you can see where this is going, but um, so we show up and these guys that I work with, they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, nothing. Can you hit a slow? <laughs> nothing happened on the way up. I mean, like some smooching and we go up and like walk around a little bit in the snow and then we come back down. I'm like, no, seriously, like hit a slow. And like, by the time, like the door is closed, I had already like found a condom in my <laughs> purse. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, sorry, mom. Um, and I was like, we have eight minutes. It's an eight minute ride. They haven't hit a slow yet. I don't know if they're actually going to do it. So like, let's just do this. And I'm like, I'm sorry. 
can do this better later, but like right now I need to like check this item off the list. I, I took I'm using one, you guy. Yeah, kind of. I mean, he was super cute, but he was kind of annoying. Um, and a little aggressive in like a way that I didn't quite enjoy, but it's okay. Cause I was using him and it didn't matter. Um, and so like <laughs> I took one shoe off, like one pant leg off. <laughs> Eight minutes isn't very long. You don't have time to get fully undressed. Well, there are some listeners out there that would disagree with you, but <laughs> hello, listeners. So you checked it off the bucket list, is what you're saying? I, I mean, I'll I'll leave that up to your listeners' right, imagination. Okay. Well, yeah. I don't think they really have to imagine too hard. <laughs> may, may or may not. May I had one not. shoe off and one pant leg off. Yes, check. <laughs> and then, of course, when I get off back at the bottom, you know, fully dressed, all composed, but I mean, a lifty nose. <laughs> How much does the gondola rock? Um, you know, I don't know. Am I about when, the you, angles, when the gondola comes down but, and I'm the other lifty? Is it rocking enough that I know not to knock? It's or? so big and heavy that you would never be able to tell if you should knock or not. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But. They shouldn't. So it's just best not to. Best best never to come a knocking yeah. on a gondola. <laughs> yeah. Whether it's rocking or not. If it's at night and there's fellow lifties in there, especially like people that know me, like I'm inappropriate. Like I probably had shouted that in the locker room like as a joke. So they probably knew what I was about to get up to. And then uh, my buddy Jensen called me a man eater and I was really proud of that. Nice. <laughs> and so obviously that job had benefits. Uh, but what about the financial aspect of it? Oh, it was shit. Shit. Um, it was like eleven twenty-five an hour. Felt like I was, I was like selling myself out a little bit, but like not for any money, which was even worse. Um, and we didn't get daily overtime because we we're working on, I guess it's like federal land that makes up the mountain, but like the resort has a lease on it or something. And so something about working on that land means they don't have to pay you daily overtime doesn't make any sense to me. But if you work more than 40 hours a week, then you make overtime. And working on that main lift, it was open like first and closed last. And so I was I was clearing like 100 hours of paycheck by the end. So that I was getting decent paychecks, even though 11.25 an hour, good Lord. Yeah. And <laughs> plus you, you got the free ski pass, right? Mm-hmm. Which I almost never used because I was so exhausted from working like five 11-hour shifts in a row that... I would just like go grocery shopping and do laundry and sleep on my days off, which was kind of a bummer. Yeah. Before you went, had you had already made the decision that you were coming back to catch can the next summer? Oh yeah. Yeah. It was funny. Cause last summer, like I said, I wasn't in a great like headspace. Like when I came up here and people from home were like, what do you think of it? You think you're going to go do it again? Like, will this be a regular thing? And I'm like, honestly, like it's a beautiful place. I love the people. I'm just not like, I'm not feeling it for some reason. One and done. You know, it'll be a good experience. And then, like, as it got closer to, like, halfway through the summer, I was like, you know, I might come back. And it'd be cool to, like, come back and walk on the same streets and be like, oh, yeah, that was fun last year. And then a couple weeks go by, I'm like, you know, I think I just might come back. I think I'm leaning towards it. And then I think by, like, Blueberry Fest, I was like, oh, fuck yeah, I'm coming back. And by October, I was like, don't leave. Everyone just stay. (laughs) (laughs) So basically, my Colorado time was just killing time. Until I came back to Ketchikan, because I didn't have as much of a plan until coming back here in, God, March. I've been here a long-ass time. Yeah. Yeah. When when are you leaving this summer? Um, Like five days. So October 8th. 
On a plane or a ferry? Ferry. Oh, we leave the same day, but they, I fly out. Oh. Yeah. Don't tease a girl. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, are you coming back next summer? Yeah. I think it might be my last summer, though. That's what they all say. I know. I've said it plenty of times. Um, what <laughs> What goes into your decision this year for coming back? I had a weird summer. I kind of let a bunch of stuff get to me, but I also made a lot of really cool friends or got really close with people I met last year. Um, and so I kind of want to go out on a high note. I don't want to like, I feel kind of beat down by the summer a little bit. And so I want to come back like with a better attitude and like, I don't know, more plans to do things that make me happy that I actually follow through on. Right. You know how to make a great summer happen and you don't think you weren't satisfied with this one. And so you want another chance next summer. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. I I had this conversation earlier today that there were a lot of people on the, not a lot, but there were definitely some influential people in kind of the group makeup that we have that didn't have their best summer. Yeah. I've been hearing a lot of that. And yeah, it was a lot of people had either different jobs or took on more roles or more responsibility. And so a lot of the like cornerstone personalities were either missing or different. Mm-hmm. And it contributed to not a, definitely not a bad summer, but just a different summer than I think everyone expects at this point. Yeah. So I think maybe that contributed to it or you contributed to that overall feeling. There's just definitely something like swirling in the stew of catch can that was just like kind of off for everybody. Mm-hmm. And it's not like I didn't have a great summer in some ways. Like I did a couple of really creative endeavors that like made me feel good and I got, I think I made better friends this summer. I made a lot of like really awesome friends last summer, but I feel like a deeper connection with a lot of people. Like what were some year. of the creative endeavors you got into? Well, uh, some of your listeners may have heard of a little calendar where um, ladies wear rain boots and no shirts. <laughs> so um, yeah, so the Tough Titties calendar is something I'm really excited about because it's it just feels so catch can and already people just keep talking about it like as this like institution even though it hasn't come out yet and so that feels good to make something that people are excited about that really like I feel represents this community um and then I was also in the fish pirate's daughter um as a sexy secretary miss maple miss maple which you did a wonderful job at thank you i just when in doubt just play it slutty i feel like that's right <laughs> i i used to act when i was like a teenager and i remember none of it so I just like got to the audition I'm like this chick seems kind of horny I'll just play her like that (laughs) so that was a lot of fun just kind of being over the top in the melodrama just getting a lot of that out of my system and making cool friends there um yes fish pirate's daughter is a melodrama performance play oh yeah musical and Jesse was Miss Maple who tries to get the main character who is full of virtue and honor. He's just a big old boy scout. Tries to maybe arouse him in some ways. <laughs> maybe arouse him, maybe more. <laughs> Definitely more. It didn't, it didn't work out for Miss Maple, but. So you had okay. the tough titties calendar mm-hmm. shoot, which is, do you know when it's coming out? Hopefully very shortly. We have all the girls. Um, 
we actually have too many girls, so it's going to be a 20-month calendar, which is very interesting. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, whatever. Who says that a calendar has to have, you know, multiples of 12? I mean, not me. <laughs> we were going to do a year and a half calendar, but, you know, just throw in four extra boobs and we'll be fine. Um, so hopefully soon, we were hoping to have them in, like, the store, like, for physical sale before people leave, but it's just, like, these last little pieces are taking a bit longer so people can get them shipped to them and have a little reminder of their home here in Ketchikan and all the lovely ladies. We know all about logistical hiccups here at the seasonals. <laughs> Actually hearing you guys talk about those made me feel better about stressing over the calendar. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it all works out. Yeah, it does all work out. And when, when you've got it in your hand, a lot of the sins of the past go away. Yeah, it's like, exactly. Oh, we did we did this probably not as well as we could have this, and it, but once you have it, you're like, oh, this is great. Yeah, and it people are like, wonderful. They might be like, finally, but once they actually have it, especially if there's boobs in it, like they're gonna yes. be happy. Um, funny story about my portrait uh, in that one. Uh, my co boob artistic director, <laughs> whatever. My our buddy Jason, he printed some really large um, canvas. Uh, posters of a couple of the ladies topless shots, one of which was mine. Cause you know, it was like my idea. So I felt like I should be blown up and honored. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, which was in my house for a couple of months and everyone that came over was like, Oh, hi, nice to see you that way, Jesse. And the shot is really cool. I'm like wearing all this pole climbing gear and climbing the pylon of a pier, um, in one of the boat launch areas, like downtown Ketchikan. And, um, it's very badass and I didn't know what to do with it. I couldn't take it with me. I couldn't store it anywhere really. So I just donated it to the lumberjack house here in town. <laughs> so now it's adorning the walls of the Jack shack. Cause I felt like I was, I was wearing climbing gear. Like one of the Jacks helped with the shoot. Like now it's yeah. really the Jack shack. Oh, gosh, you should go into that place. You can't touch any surfaces. <laughs> Not since I put my portrait in there at least. Oh God. Uh, so yeah, that was pretty creative. Just getting a lot of my friends topless around town for artistic shots, including one of our uh, lovely seasonal ladies, Miss Kelly. Oh yeah, Kelly. I I saw the the blow up one of yours when I was over at Jason's once, and <laughs> and I I haven't seen any of the other ones actually. So, well, I'm excited to see a copy. They're pretty. They're pretty great, and you know most of these women, if not all of them, right. too. So. All of your fondest dreams will soon be realized. Definitely never seen them like this. Well, so I don't know. I feel like we're not a bunch of girls that care that much about like keeping our clothes on all the time. So you may have seen some of some of the things. <laughs> so what is your plan this winter? That's a big ask. <laughs> I'm pretty uh, stressed about it. I left it to the last minute again. Usually things fall into place. I'm sure something will, but um, leaving in a few days. I've got to be in Maryland in about two weeks for a wedding, which a bunch of other Ketchikanites, Ketchikanians, Ketchikaners, whatever we call ourselves. For Ray Geist's wedding. For, yes, Ray Geist. He was on the show two episodes ago. Was he? Yes. I didn't know that. I got to go back and listen. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, he and Kelsey, his lovely lady, are Super awesome, and there's going to be a bunch of Ketchikanians over there at the wedding, so I feel like at least I'll get like a last taste of the seasonal crew. Um, and then my old roommates from California moved to New York City recently. They want me to join them for Thanksgiving. My friends in North Carolina 
who just two days ago stopped in Ketchikan for 12 hours on the ferry on their way down from Sitka. Um, they said I can come stay with them for as long as I want and they can like get me a job somewhere to save up some money, like at a restaurant. So I'm thinking about doing that. Um, maybe visiting a couple other folks and then I'm hoping to figure out something to teach abroad, like for the spring, like starting maybe in December, um, looking at Thailand just cause it seems like where everybody says to check it out and it's cheap and it's warm and it's... Have you ever read the article on our website, Teaching mm-hmm. in Thailand? It's actually open on my phone right now because nice. I was going back to do some research. Yes, indeed. Uh, I would say if you have your master's, you could probably teach somewhere like Japan or Korea. Yeah. Korea has been recommended to me a lot. I just, I don't know, for some it reason... It pays better. Yeah. That's what I've heard. I've heard that English teachers are treated like royalty in Korea. So it's worth looking into. I don't know. I just feel more of a draw to Thailand. Um, I mean, I'd go pretty much anywhere that, you know, could be gone to. But I just feel like there's more of a draw to Thailand. It's cheaper from what my research shows me. Absolutely. Yeah. But if you're going there to get paid, that's not a real big deal. That's true. Well, you make a good point. Maybe I should, you know put in a little work looking into Korea. I liked Japan a lot when I when I visited there. I don't know that I want to live there. Yeah. I don't know. I well, really liked it and I want to go back. I think I had a really off-putting experience because of the weather when I was there too, so I like have physical negative reactions to staying there for a long time. But um yeah, Japan's something to look into. And I like a lot of Japanese fiction too, so it's always a fun thing to do like go visit places in your favorite novels that yeah. actually exist or places that uh, were the inspiration for yeah. a lot of those. Yeah. So what is, do you have a, like a, a bigger goal, like say five year, 10 year, where, where do you want to see yourself end up or is seasonal life? Is this kind of what you want to do for the foreseeable future or um, that's let's, let's dig in deep to Jesse Goodman. Whew. What's, what's going on in there? You got the tissues. <laughs> Um, that's something I ask myself a lot. I'm feeling a little bit at loose ends lately. I think I'm going through like a third life crisis, maybe quarter life. I don't know how old people are living these days, but, um, but I just, I, I'm floating right now. I'd like to teach in some aspect, um, probably abroad, like as a career eventually, but I don't know. I'm tired a a little bit of moving around a lot and like say goodbye to people so much and not knowing what's next, even though that's really exciting sometimes, but I just don't know where I would want to settle down because that seems scary too, but I'm not getting any younger. Like I'm a lot, not a lot older, hopefully, but I'm a fair amount older than a lot of seasonals. And it's something I wish that someone had tapped me on the shoulder, like out of college and said, yo, Maybe you should do this now. Um, so I don't know how much longer I want to do it, but I don't ever want to stop traveling. And I don't want to be like a you know, couple times a year tourist. I want like living or going to different places to be part of my lifestyle. But it's also hard because you sacrifice a lot living this kind of life, like moving around. Your community isn't in one place. And if you don't have like the money especially – it's hard to see the people that like you really care about that make this lifestyle worth it. 
and then, you know, all your friends back home are still living their lives and have a stability that you don't have and, you know, relationships and they have some money. And one of my best friends from high school just bought a house yesterday. (laughs) So not that I'm jealous of that. Like that white picket fence thing doesn't really appeal to me. Like doing things on society's timeline doesn't necessarily appeal to me, but you can't erase that conditioning that easily. Even if intellectually, you know, that it's not correct. That doesn't mean that you don't feel like you're behind or that you're not accomplishing things. I don't know. I want to find a job that lets me be like in the world going places and like interacting with like what's going on in the world in a meaningful way. Like, like, I don't know, something to do with human rights or education or. I think teaching English abroad is, it sounds like it's a good next step to put you into that situation. Yeah. From, from the people that I've talked to that have done it, Mary Maley, uh, Austin Benz, um, Brittany Dufresne and some others, they, I, it was rewarding in that way that you felt like you were a part of the future Mm -hmm. and you were helping in the ways that you're saying that you want to. And also it gave you that sense of, you know, I'm in a foreign place. I'm in a almost uh, fictional world that everything's so different. And that's, that's how I described my trip to Thailand. It was such, it wasn't a culture shock. It was because I had been to places like that in my mind, but it was like, oh, wow, I'm not in Kansas anymore. (laughs) And so I think, I think that's a good idea for you to to look into. I usually those contracts are longer than just a winter though. Yeah. I think four months is like the shortest I've found. Yeah. Um, I'm not opposed to coming back up here late next season. Yeah. Either. And and so if you did that for like this winter, if you got into it and did like four, six, whatever month thing, and then the next summer was your last one, you could jump into a longer one Mm -hmm. in a different country because I feel like almost everyone I talked to over there, it it kind of was this ladder that you would climb up. Like you would start in Myanmar or Thailand or uh, Vietnam and teach. And then you were trying to get to the next step, which is like China or Korea. And mm-hmm. then, you know, you're trying to get to the next step, which was Japan. And just because the money and the status and the... Um, all the different factors, the benefits and all that get as you go up that ladder, we're better. That's good um, to know. And Why did I not ask you about this? I sh- you should have occurred to me as someone to talk to about this shit. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm just too much in my own head. I don't I don't even know which way is up right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are a lot of times that I, I've talked to a lot of seasonals and because there's no good um, path, there's, there's, it's, there's such a, a recognizable path mm-hmm. and normal life, not the life outside of seasonal that, you know, everyone thinks you should follow. And the one that we're taught about, you have these known next steps mm-hmm. where in seasonal life, you took this giant risk to jump off, hoping that the safety net would be there. And then once you get down there, it's like, okay, this is great. And then you have to find the next step mm-hmm. or find someone that knows about the next yeah. step. And then once you get there, it's like, okay, well, where do I go from here? And some some of us are are really in a rarefied air where they're doing stuff that uh, they can't just look around and say, what what did you do in this situation? Because no one they know or no one they can find are, are in those situations. Mm-hmm. And I think when you're uh, – it's not – 
saying, oh, a place that your heart took you to is a little cliche for me because most of the time there's way more luck than anybody will admit. Oh, but yeah. Once you find yourself in that situation, it's really hard to find that next step in a mental way. But once you commit and s- to say, okay, I'm this, these are the choices I've made. And this is what I want as either the final goal or the next goal or whatever else. Mm -hmm. I think if you, you know, if you're really doing the legwork, it's, it gets way easier to find out, okay, this is probably where I should go. Or like one of these three choices is probably where I should go. So what's the one that is the, the best landing for me or best fits me. And so, yeah, I think, I think it sounds like you have a great idea for the next step. And what that's that a relief. Looks, what that looks like. <laughs> <laughs> I, and even I, that's another thing that I hear a lot is like, people are like, Oh, I, you know, I think I want to do this cause it'll do this and this and this. It's like, okay, well, okay. Are you, you going to do it right? And they're like, Oh, I don't know. And it, it really is that paralysis by analysis. It's like, mm-hmm. because there aren't any n- n- like really concrete steps to the next place, you have so many options in front of you. It's hard to pick one because if you do, that means this option over here closes and that option over here closes if I choose this one. Yeah. And that does to a seasonal, that sounds like such a negative to, you know, close off options. And I mean, honestly, for me, that's, that's a big part of what I'm going through is I am, you know, I have all these options in front of me and I don't want to pick one. Because then, you know, that closes the door on all these other things that look yeah. great and I would love to do. And so, yeah, it's a it's a tough spot to be in. And you it know, just seems like kind of that. there's not enough time in life to do all those things eventually. It's like yeah. it's like when I go to a, a bookstore or especially a used bookstore and I just keep buying books. I'm like, I'll read it eventually. I'm like, I'm going to add these to my other hundred books that I've bought over the last couple of years that I'm getting through eventually. You know, it's like same with places that you want to go and jobs you want to do and yeah, there can only be one next book. Yeah, there's plenty of books out there, but there's only one next book you're gonna read. Yeah, and that that means you know all these other great books aren't it. And they're just they're there and they're existing without you. You know, right? They want to be read. <laughs> <They're>... <laughs> uh. So you've uh, written a couple pieces for the the print magazine that we do in Ketchikan, Alaska. Yes, sir. And they have been some of my favorites to read. Thank you. Especially, well, I wouldn't say especially. I Both of them because the newest one is kind of tickles my sci-fi <laughs> thing, which is like favorite genre and one that I feel really passionate about. And I didn't even know that when I wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> right. And the other one was... It was the uh, new seasonals um, employee contract, and yes. it really broke down. It was a very uh, raw, um, kind of real explanation of what to expect in the seasonal lifestyle, which is you know as much adventure as not heartbreak, but something akin to it. Melancholy. There are a lot of situations you get yourself into that you're like, oh, was that a good thing? Ultimately, yes, but it's still kind of heavy on my heart. And then, you know, all these great things as well. So, yeah, they were both wonderful. And I I really enjoy having you as one of our writers. And I tell you that because 
A, when are you writing something for our website? Whenever you ask and, me to, baby. Okay, I'm asking you. And, yes. <laughs> and B, uh, the next question is, wh- where does that uh, creative writing or um, narrative writing, when does that become a part of your um, outlook towards the future as something that you do? Something I've been thinking about a lot just the last couple of days and something that I kick myself for all the time because honestly, the two pieces I've written for the seasonal, like like in the last year, is the only finished product of creative writing I've done since I graduated um, from my master's program, which was like three years ago. God, was it four years ago? It feels so shitty even counting the years because when I'm not in that environment where I have to produce for like workshop or, you know, for my accountability, I kind of like clam up and like other, you know, other things take precedent. And, um, I keep forgetting like, yeah, I want to be a writer. Like I'm good at it. And I, books are my favorite thing ever. Like when people ask like, so what are, what are you like? I'm like books. <laughs> That's my one defining characteristic is I like books. Um, and long walks on the beach too. No, I don't. I'm lazy. I like short walks on the beach. <laughs> but um, you like yeah. laying on the beach and reading reading books and drinking beer, right? And like smoking things inside. No, outside. <laughs> but the, I definitely <laughs> want to be outside. But maybe like a fire and like something to sit on. But wait, what was I talking about? Um, oh, I was setting the scene because I'm a writer and creating right. a narrative. You're talking about how you are a writer, but you never write. Yeah, which is awful. And I know like those fiction professors that I was telling you about earlier would be really disappointed in me. And it's like that, that per- the paralysis that you were talking about. Well, let's not talk about disappointment. I know. Let's talk about, we're really hopeful, hopeful. to see what you're going to write now. Yes. In this very soon future. In the absolutely. fucking Um, Hmm. I might have some ideas. Actually, I do have some ideas. Should I tell them to you now or should uh, we wait no, for No, you later? don't need to tell them to me now. Um, <laughs> I So my brother and I just got together. It was yesterday to have breakfast and we talked a lot. Most of what we talked about was holding each other accountable and writing yeah. over the winter. Yeah. And so I think that's going to be a big theme with my correspondence with other seasonals this winter. So Please. I'm sure I'll, you'll be involved in that. Fuck yes. <clears throat> but um, so... My next question would be this seasonal lifestyle. If, if you were to talk to someone that is either just out of high school or just out of college, um, and they're not sure about that next step, but they seemed to you like a person that, um, this lifestyle might, might stick with Mm -hmm. or might be a good thing for them, either short term or long term. Uh, what, what would that conversation look like from, from your side? Um, fucking do it. Honestly, I don't think I would meet anyone in that situation where they just out of high school or college where I don't think even just one summer would be great for them that would change their lives. Not necessarily that they want to live that seasonal lifestyle. Cause I don't think everyone, not even that they're cut out for it, but that's just not what they want for themselves. But I would just say, do it. It will be the best decision of your life. Um, not maybe of your entire life, but of your life up to now, because I mean, obviously I taught college. I think education is incredibly important. I think college is important, but it's not the only way you can learn, you know, being out in the world and like meeting people and learning from them. That's something that's so important. And, um, 
I would say just do it. Just think of a place you want to go. You could probably find a job there if you, you know, know the right places to look um, or the right communities to, to ask. And just, especially if they're young, you have so many years to work towards a career. You don't have that many years to just go where you want to go and meet like-minded people and just be free. Um, yeah, I would say I would tell anyone in that position to do it. I can't think of like one reason why I wouldn't say at least try it for a summer or for a winter or whatever. Um, and I tell like when I would have like teenagers on my tours, I would, they were the ones that did seem kind of like interested. I'd be like, you should come back here, like get a job here. It'd be super easy and be amazing. Um, and I tell them with apologies to their parents. I said, when you graduate high school, you should take a gap year like they do in Europe because you're going to come back so much more hungry for knowledge, you know, and like have so much more to contribute to the discussion. You're going to have independence to take on the world Mm -hmm. and you're going to get your ass beat Mm -hmm. and you're going to want the tools to be able to build up and take it on again, but win that time. Yeah. Let's put that on a poster. (laughs) <laughs> or t-shirt maybe let's That'd get be more... that tattooed on jensen's ass <laughs> oh jensen he already got a mullet oh, <laughs> he's been punished enough <laughs> well jesse it's been wonderful having you on here thank I'm you glad that we finally get to do this me and too thanks for being awesome and i'm excited to see your name on our website yes your name in our magazine more absolutely your name on your own work and hear some great stories from you in the future Thanks. This is awesome. I needed this conversation. Yeah, I, I feel great. I don't care about your podcast. I feel great about me. <laughs> <laughs> Good. That's what we like to hear. Yeah. That's it. That's the episode. The seasonals are Kelly Mogg, Ryan Deininger, me, Joey Ravinsky. The theme song by Ryan Deininger, Joe Williams, Louis Leva, Chappie, Thomas Hamilton. Follow us on Instagram at the seasonals underscore. Like us on Facebook. Listen to our next episode. That's it. We're out. Yeah.